This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. And that's the thing. This word has so many manifestations. So I get visited by somebody I don't like. And then I don't want to be rude. And then in my head, like, Angela. So you just like, you are just Roll the sounding it. board and you just like nod or whatever. But it points to the fact that we're not necessarily good at saying no to people. Yeah. You know, that word is always conjured in mild reluctance at least. Hi, I'm Ahmad Fuad Rahmat. You're listening to Night School, the show that explores concepts, theory and society. Um, we are going to try something different today. I don't know how this is going to work out, but me and Hanif are going to go over some Malay words and talk about what comes to mind, how we feel about it. But basically, explore what's lost and found in translation. And this segment is going to be called The Trying Game. Trying Game because we are trying to find commonalities and differences in these words. So are you ready, Hanif? <laughs> I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, your BM is very good. You do a lot of translation work anyway. Well, I suppose so. But I mean, but you're right in, in actually pointing out that it's actually not that simple to translate things, right? It's because not. Yeah, because, because not. some terms are just, it's difficult for you to find the right term to describe certain things in certain languages, right? So, so, so for example, I think for me, the immediate thought in my head when you mentioned this is love and cinta, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so love, there's sayang and then there's cinta. And kasih. Kasih as well. Yeah, yeah, kasih sayang sometimes says comes together. Yeah, mm. yeah. But uh, if one bothers to look into the history of it, you'll see that those two, those three things rather mean very different things, right? Those mm. three words. So, um, and we don't have to go into that because I think there's a lot that we can work with with just our sense of these words. You know, mm. this that's what's curious to me more than just what it actually meant in Sanskrit or something. Because I think... Language is lived. Mm. Language is something we turn to every day for thinking and for expressing. And they are socially embedded. And in the gaps of translation between, say, an English and Malay word, I like to know or to feel those gaps as they are suspended, you know, mm. as we can't necessarily marry those two words, right? So let's, let's you know, uh, not get too far into abstraction and begin with the first word in our list. First word is gadi. <laughs> Gedi. Hmm. Well, that's a challenging one okay. <laughs> to start things off. I read a tweet once that said, Melayu dan Gedi berpisah tiada. Whoa. <laughs> very profound. And I, I chuckled at first. I started thinking about it. And it's very, very unique to our way of feeling and relating, right? Uh, but anyway, what comes to mind? Gedi, oh, sadly, uh, first thing that comes to mind is, of course, it's very gender biased, right? Is Gede, it really? I, I think so, I think so. Okay. I okay. think it's very gender biased. It usually describes um, ladies, women. Okay, okay. Yeah, and there is that certain behavior that is a bit childish, yes. flirtatious, and yet you might be overdoing it. And hence the, the term, and hence why like it's called gedi. I like yeah. that. Yeah, the effect is to squirm in a way. When you encounter gadi, your stomach twists a little bit. It's not like to the point of nausea, but you sense that it's a bit too much feelings involved or too much like raw kind of like unrefined sort of channeling of affection in a way, mm. right? So it's not 
say it doesn't have the grace of Lemalembut, for example, but it doesn't have the intensity and seriousness of Jiwang. Mm. So Gede is somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere in between. <laughs> but but I do like that you said that it's childish because that's what it typically performs. Yes. It performs a sort of infantile uh, behavior. Yeah. Right? Um, you can whine a little bit, uh, but typically it's also playful. Mm. Right? So what, what I appreciate about Gede is that the language or the linguistic structure, which really mirrors the social structure, allows for this kind of affection, allows for an infantile sort of surfacing, right? It comes out and you can just be like an annoying child, but affectionately for a few minutes, you know? <laughs> I'm not too sure whether it's something endearing to really? the extent. Uh, yeah, because because I think, I'm sure there are people out there who prefer somebody to be to be gadi, but, but I, I, generally <laughs> it has that negative connotation, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's more, it's more negative than it is positive. Yes. But uh, nowadays, when you take a selfie, you say "gedis kid" or something. You know, maybe that's just me. But you know, or you text a crush. You know, there's a bit of a gadi in the emoji or something like that. You know, but I, I get it that it's a refined skill. It's not something that you can just. You know, it takes a lot for it to pass. You know, to pass as cool, right? So, for the most part, it's either negative or, you know, it's funny. You laugh at it. Okay, but you know? here's the thing. Though. I think people can tolerate manja as opposed to gadi. Worlds apart. Worlds apart. Worlds apart. You think it's worlds yeah, apart? Yeah. I think it's worlds apart because manja is almost assumes it's welcomed or safe to do so. Gadi has an awkward element to it, right? Mm. Like, you don't want to just be gadi without proper sort of like warning build up or assumption right mm. so yeah but it is it is there in our sort of lingo <laughs> and wait for it yeah, you, you don't on. think it's gender gadi no maybe because I'm gadi too I don't <laughs> know <laughs> but sometimes I've seen the more effeminate side of Malay men comes out in, in, in gadi you know and they don't necessarily have to be gay or whatever it's just sometimes Malay men slide into that you know, so we had an episode we talk about Piramli. That Piramli had some good date moments, right? Mm. You know, when the song comes out, da, 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 that's a good date moment, right? <laughs> He's just sort of like trying to woo the girl by being really funny and pathetic at the same time. And funny and pathetic is a good date. Mm. You have to let yourself be laughed at for good date to work, in a sense. Really? Because I always thought that people don't really know that they're good date. Yeah, because it's something that. It's a projection of others onto you, right? As opposed to in a you sense, but aware I, that unless you're, you're taking a selfie <laughs> and you feel like you gotta pose a bit, you gotta flex a bit, you know, and then there's a there's a cheeky smile in there. But you're right that it's neither always welcome or liked, nor widely how would you say practiced. Those are moments that those things come out, mm. you know. So um, and you you're right that it's not always positive, but I do sense that some people appropriate it. They'll take the gadi thing and like I don't know do what they have to I guess. Okay. But I don't know, listeners. Do you think gadi is automatically bad, or do you feel that our culture makes room for it as sort of vents for different sort of performances, you know, mm-hmm. of identity? So, what's the word? What's the closest word in English for gadi? Wow. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about the sensations. It's annoying. Annoying. Right. Could be mildly annoying. Uh, it could be, but it's also playful. Mm. Right, is an element of playfulness in there. Yeah, it's flirtatious. Do you think is that okay? Stable? It's a kind of flirting, I would say. Mm. Yeah, but it's not exactly those. Things, yeah, it's not right? exactly. Fl- it's not, not exactly, exactly those flirting, things. Right? Yeah, this is the trying game. This is why we call it a trying <laughs> game. Okay, yeah. 
Lion. Lion. Yeah. Lion. Well, Lion is like literally. I mean, you serving someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, although I think I I can see where you're coming from. I think you're referring to the more uh, modern interpretation of it. The yeah, yeah, like yeah. oh. Uh, why don't you entertain that person, right? Yeah, yeah. entertain. Although, although it's not really entertaining, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's more like <laughs> why don't you deal with that person? Yeah, why don't you put up with that person? I, it's I, almost I, like putting up, tolerate, mm, tolerate, right? yeah, tolerate. <laughs> to certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, although I mean, it depends on the context of how you use it as well. Because I can like, why don't you pick it up again? So it's like, in the sense that um, why don't you you know tend to that tend person? To that, tend to that person. Yeah, yeah I think tend yeah. to is is more is more accurate in translating it without putting all those emotional connotations to it. Yeah, mm. yeah. And that's the thing. This word has so many manifestations. So, I get visited by somebody I don't like, and then I don't want to be rude. And then in my head, like Angela, <laughs> so you just like you are just Rolling the sounding it. board, <laughs> and you just like nod or whatever. But it points to the fact that we're not necessarily good at saying no to people. Yeah, you know that word is always conjured in mild reluctance, at least, right? So nobody says they're gonna layan whatever. Actually, layan jiwang. There's something like that. Okay, <laughs> yes. but okay. So let's let's contextualize it. Okay. When it comes to dealing with people necessarily, all oh, right. Okay, it's not necessarily the most enthusiastic gesture mm. when you wanna layan somebody, mm. right? Aku layan ladini. You know, there's always that where it's a bit more you know thought out and delayed a little bit. But there is the layan jiwang, which isn't mm. tending or entertaining. At that point, mm. what would be the word for you? Lion feeling, lion jiwang. <laughs> lion uh, feeling, lion jiwang. Mm. Indulgent. Indulgent, Indulging, yeah. yeah. I like that. I mean, you put your whole heart into it, right? Yeah. You, you, you experience it. La. I, yeah, I there's guess. no half-stepping. No, <laughs> you're stepping. going in there like both feet deep. Feeling right? it? <laughs> yeah, that, feeling right? it. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting too because this word can take on something very distant and very deep. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Depends and on the context, right? They're both the same spelling. What's mm. with that, you know? Um, so I try to think of another English word that can be that elastic, right? They can mean, it's the same word that can mean the opposite things, <laughs> you know, in the informal English. I can't think of many, to be honest. Really, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I'm, let's try. Let's, let's do <laughs> let's, why it's called yeah. the trying game. Like, what word can mean... I can be deployed in those opposite instances, you know, like mm. layan in a way like layan is like this sort of distance attitude you have just to pass time with somebody, a guest typically or somebody you're not necessarily most enthusiastic, but when you layan feeling is like mm-hmm. you're deep, you know, like, um, I don't know, listeners, <laughs> do you have anything in mind? I mean, we don't, we're not dictionaries, so <laughs> yeah. you, you're driving or listening to this, you might, you might think of certain words. Yeah. So, Layan, I guess, again, like you said, it depends on the context. Yep. Oh, this is my favorite. This is a phrase. It's not a word. Okay. Sejuk hati. Sejuk hati. Well, I haven't heard that in a while. Sejuk hati. Yeah. But I like it because in English, it means totally the opposite of <laughs> what it means in Malay. Yeah. In English, you're cold-hearted. Mm. Right? But in Malay, it's actually a nice feeling. <laughs> Maybe it's because we're hot. I don't know. <laughs> it's so damn hot here, right? Sejuk hati. Usually... Whenever I heard of that phrase, it's usually related to like, oh, you know, be a good son, sejuk atima, something, yes, something along it's those very, lines. Right? It's a maternal context, right? Yes. Yeah, it's typically the mother who says it. I don't recall fathers or brothers <laughs> or uncles saying it, right? Yeah, sejuk right. atima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sejuk atima, right? And uh, I mean, what comes to mind? I mean, why do you think that is? Like a come- very specific feeling for a mother, come to think of it, right? I think there is this, you know, when it comes to 
talking about the relationship between a child and a mother, right? So there's always that uh, perception that, oh, um, the child needs to be filial. So right. you always need to at least, you know, obey your mom's wishes and whatnot. You know, but w- what other emotions are that closely related to the mother as a child? Can you think of any others? Um, sejuk perut is another one. Sejuk perut, yeah. Sejuk but perut. do you think sejuk it's interchangeable? Sejuk. Yeah. Uh, sejuk perut is usually masa mengandung yeah. sejuk hati could be like when dia azan ke or something there's something about <laughs> you know the sun has fulfilled some kind of duty and it's ex- so excellent and the mother feels sejuk hati like, I think usually like after after birth is sejuk hati during birth is sejuk perut, uh, sejuk perut lah. yeah. yeah soothing to certain extent soothing right? yeah I think that's the way it's soothing yeah it's soothing although soothing is is more literal right I suppose I don't know yeah it's more literal uh I think it's not meant to convey a temperature in the case of the mother, but yeah. definitely like things working out. Mm. Yeah, when things work out, the sejuhati happens, right? <laughs> yes. So that's the trying game. <laughs> Folks, we're just giggling here. If, you, if you're in the studio, me and Hanif are just giggling and wondering if you're digging this as much as we are. I'm having so much fun. But let's come back after the break. You're listening to me, Ahmad Fat Rahmat, joined by the legendary producer, Hanif who's really been behind a lot of our episodes. You know, the good stuff is oh, all due to him. So, sejuk hati dia dengan benda So, God. we'll be back after the show on a segment called The Trying Game, where we try to define these terms. I'm Ahmad Farah Rahmat. This is Night School on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to me, Ahmad Farah Rahmat. Joining us is Hanif, the producer. He is behind the show. He's been behind the show for years now, but he is now behind the mic. And we are doing the segment we're trying out and we want your feedback to see if this is something we should keep doing. It is called the trying game where we try to match very distinctly Malay terms to their English equivalent and try to kind of play around and think through the gaps between them. We talked about Gadit in the first part of the show alongside Layan and Sejuhati. And we probably have three more for you, the second part. Let's start with Gram. Gram. <laughs> Gram. Annoyed, but I don't think it's that accurate, right? I don't know because it has an erotic side to it too. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Garam, well, well, you know, garam aku tengok dia or something like that. Is that something? Is yeah, that like. But I think that's that's a more modern um, oh, usage it? of okay, it. I okay. think. Yeah. But garam. Okay, so okay, like the most basic sense is anger. Anger, yes. Right, but there's also a sense of like you're about to implode or combust or something mm, like that, right? Like yes. Garam tengok ayam goreng or something like that mm. sometimes, right? But what is the English word you think that comes to describe to those those feelings? Lah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, garam. Not enthusiasm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> enthusiasm is not that bad, I think. It's not that far off. It's yeah, but we wouldn't off. use enthusiasm for like uh, ayam percik or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. like garam tengok ayam percik ni, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, Rile up a bit, a bit too, too much. Lah. Rile up, right? You know? Rada okay, okay, okay. Rada comes close, but in a positive sense. Not it's not in like oh I'm, Rada. Yeah, Rada has a connotation of anger. Yes, Garam does too, in some instances, right? Yeah, but if you use it in that context, then it means it has a different meaning, right? So yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, but but it's it's used in a in a playful manner, right? I don't think. Well, that's the thing with this word; it's so <laughs> slippery, right? So you have the anger side of it, Garam, Yamara, kita dah Garam tak boleh tahan. And you have the the erotic side, right? Garam tengok. But it's not even erotic. It's just really affectionate because you can say garam tengok budak. Yeah, garam kucing. Right? So it's... Uh, that's the interesting part for me. The sort of like you are curiously taken by something that is 
typically cute that you become garam. Mm. Right? Oh, garam, you dah lapar, dah garam, tak tahan. Mm. Tak tahan, it has this sort of connotation of tak tahan, right? Yeah. yeah. Garam so, like chubit pipi, something like that. Uh, yes, right? yeah. yes. So, so, mm. There's a mild implosion that's mild anticipated. <laughs> that is not really aggressive, I guess. Definitely not it's aggressive. aggressive. Yeah. It's not aggressive. Garam. I wish we could like open the show for calls so people can kind <laughs> can of just call chime in, in what they think a garam uh, should mean. <laughs> no? no? It's quite hard, right? Quite you hard, think it's yeah. quite straightforward, but then garam just throws you off course. Alright, this one is, I don't know if it's in use anymore. It's not even a word. I doubt it's in Dewan Bahasa, but it's one of my favourites. Gedebak gedebuk. <laughs> gedebak gedebuk. Gedebak gedebuk. Do you think that's even a like a proper phrase though? I think it's just it's just a... What's the term? Well, it's not proper. It's yeah. colloquial. Colloquial, yes. Yeah, but it's almost like, oh, okay, uh, aku nak pergi raup ni. Kau ambil highway tu, ambil highway ni, bayar tu, gedebak gedebuk, dua jam. <laughs> It's sort of like <laughs> yeah. that, right? I think the English equivalent of it is yada yada yada. No, it's not yada yada because there's always math involved. Really? There's always a bit of math involved. Like, <laughs> how much is this thing? And then you start wondering, okay, how much can I... It's always anticipating too. And again, this could be just me making stuff out. Okay. They want Bahasa, they didn't sanction this, right? But from my experience, is always like you're anticipating math, right? Like, all right, how much are the groceries going to cost? Or how my car busted. How much is it going to cost? Well, um, you know, if you talk about the windscreen and the side mirror and the steering got busted or whatever. But the boot, do you It's always mad. I don't know. If, you know <laughs> maybe, help maybe. Me out. <laughs> maybe. Because I was thinking of wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But something similar to that. But, but you just in the middle of a sentence. Like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a bridge to... But wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, always is to close the sentence. Yeah, that's the thing. Right? Uh, yeah, similar to yada, yada, yada is always to close the sentence. Or to maybe to... Because you don't want to... Tell the whole story, so you just like, oh yeah, 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 something happened. Yeah, I think. I yeah, think that's okay, how okay, that's true too. There's yeah. a okay, correct. I see that it mm. sort of like copulates, right? Mm. So, gedebak gedebuk kind of shortens what is otherwise something complicated. Yes. Oh, I see that. Yes, see yes, that. yes. So it's more that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, mm. that's true. But you're right, uh, folks. Don't take our word for it. It's not really <laughs> yes a from official Definitely. word, but and it hasn't been. Unfortunately, is sort of faded in in popular use. Really? I don't hear it that often, do you? I mean... Maybe not these days, but I think there must be some equivalent of it, but expressed in a different way, I think. Modern ways of, you know, using that similar phrase, I, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. But I always remember like, alright, gedebak gedebuk, 20 ringgit. Gedebak gedebuk, dia sampai, or something. It's always this sort of fast forward. Yeah. I think fast forward is the best way to describe it. Mm. You know, it's sort of like, I'm going there, you know, and I think about A, B, C, D, fast forward. I'll be there in three hours or something <laughs> oh, like that. Oh, the first hours doesn't feel as fun as Gedebak Gedebuk. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's definitely not fun. I'm sticking to Gedebak Gedebuk forever. Okay. Merajo. Ah, Merajo. I think we, we did an episode. We did one. Yeah. yeah. Merajo. Yeah. Pouting, sulking. But it's not quiet. Hmm. Yeah. Very specific to... To relationships. To relationships, right? right? You don't Merajo at uh, a country. Oh, you do in a sense. You don't Merajo at a football team. Well, well, depends. Right? Depends, depends on what they do yeah, to you. You can right? protest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're not happy with them, um, Marajo, yeah, pouting, sulking, yeah. But but it's more nuanced than that, right? That's the thing. Marajo is very. Uh, Typically, you don't want to show that you're pouting when you Marajo. Yeah. Typically, you want to look like everything's okay. Mm. But 
there's something that you do to make up for that, right? To make yes. up for the fact that you can't really paint it on your face. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes, yes. And it's also passive-aggressive, right? Definitely. Yes, definitely yeah, because, passive because you want to tell that person that, okay, I'm not happy with you, but at the same time, you don't want to say it out loud. So yeah. you, you show it through different means, right? Through your behavior. Yeah, yeah. yeah and too. I think like we talked about last time, there's a kind of, there's disappointed love in there and behind that, you know, disappointed attachments behind Marajo, which has made me think about it longer, longer to see, you know, to see it in a way that redeems it in a sense. Because mm. I think, you know, by this time in life, you've gone through so many people, Marajo King, or you've Marajo enough times that you got to wonder, all right, what's going on here? Mm. You know, but the worst part is that when it breeds to resentment, no, I don't necessarily know if Marajo in a standard situation necessarily breeds resentment. I don't think so. Mm. But it does show, it is a very passive, aggressive way of performing disappointment. Mm. Yeah. Is there a difference between, well, okay, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah. Is there a difference between, you know, if you marajuk seriously and you marajuk playfully? Is there a difference between those things? Do people hmm. actually marajuk playfully? That's a really good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes people say, Allah, marajuk atu, you know? Yeah. And typically, by that point, the marajuk has become so obvious that they can kind of call it out, you know? Whereas there's a toxic marajuk. Mm. where you're with a colleague or something or you're with a classmate or something or family member where it can drag on for years, you know, and the bare minimum is done in order to show that there's a marajo going on. And the mm. other side is not willing to kind of play along. So it's a stalemate and there's no talking or something, right? But you're right that there is a playful register to it. You hear it a lot, marajo too, you know, that's like... And the person will be walking around with a crooked smile or something, the marajo <laughs> person, you know, there's that. But there's a sense where you acknowledge that the relationship cannot necessarily be verbalized. The entirety of the relationship cannot be verbalized. It's all negotiated in expectations. It's not all negotiated in investments that were not met, you know, that, that were disappointed, unfortunately, at some point, you know. Mm. So um, it makes it difficult to differentiate between the two, right? Sometimes because if you, if you marajo with the intention of actually being playful about it, then people won't take you seriously, right? Whereas if you're like, if you're sincerely marajo, then I think people will be like, oh, okay, how do I deal with that? Yeah, yeah. And typically the marajo for playful thing isn't necessarily one that you want to indulge in for long. Mm. It feels like it's sort of the thing that comes and happens and passes. Whereas there is the toxic marajo that drags on. I mean, family marajo can be really, really like epic in that sense, mm. you know? I mean, okay, let's think about Sitanggang. Mm. The parents marajo, basically. Yeah. Batu Bla Batu Tangkok, Parents Marajo. Yes. You know, those are epics. I mean, that shapes our bedtime stories, right? That your parents, Marajo, is basically a force of nature. It can turn you into stone. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's a statement of just how, you know, filial piety is is really sanctified, right? And um, And obviously, we take our cues of emotional behaviors from the family setting, and we're going to transfer it to social life, right? Or even like relationships. Mm. So the force of it, the force of it in our cultural imagination is something that I think we haven't really meditated on enough, you know. Mm. Uh, can you think of other folk tales that has that marajo element? Mm. But those two things are, those, right, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, right? Yeah, quite profound, those those two stories, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, so in Batu Bala, for those who don't know, the mother finds fish, takes it home, wants to eat it, but then... F- takes a nap or something and then the kids come back yes. and they see the fish is ready so they eat it without her and she just loses it and she runs away and then curses the kids and the, the house happens to be a cave 
closes down. Is that what Wait, you this remember? is Batu Bela, Batu Tangkau, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, so I think I think the the mother went to this one cave-like place and then basically she entered the cave and then she... Oh, right, right. Yeah. That's the cave. She yeah. kills herself in the cave. Or the cave closes down? If yeah, again. yeah. But that is not for her. The punishment is for the kids. Yes. Right? It's yeah. not, again, so the moral of the story is not her. Her pain is secondary to the kids' lessons. Yes. So her pain is instrumental in order for the kids to get the power of Marajo. Mm. Right? So, uh, yeah. So that's that. Uh, <laughs> no word to capture that other than Marajo. And I don't know if English, any word in English. That's not pouting at that point. <laughs> at that yeah. point, when a case swallows you alive, you're not pouting anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Something else <laughs> going on. <laughs> but does that mean that it's exclusively Malay thing? Marajo? No, no, I don't think so. But I do think that we've done more with that than maybe other cultures have. Or, or let's put it this way. We turn to it more as a resource to communicate than a lot of other cultures, I would say. Mm. Right. That's the resource not to communicate, to teach other people's lessons about how to value you, to teach uh, sort of like about morals, you know, how to behave to other people and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, the classic picture is somebody drifting off into the horizon with a buntail out of like some kind of like, you know, Marajo case. And a lot of different examples are coming to my mind now as we're mm. talking about this, mm. but they're all sort of faded into one another. They're all blended into one another that I can't tell the difference. But mm. I'm sure if we look through our sort of popular folk tales, we'll find others. But sticking to just Sitangang and Batu Bela is already like I feel. Mm. Because th- those are so canonical, those stories, yeah. right? Yeah. And it definitely has a lot to do with our non-confrontational nature, right? Yeah. But is it non-confrontational or is it just non-verbal? Right, because when you make your kids see you die being eaten alive by a cave, that's confrontational already. It's just not articulated. Mm. Right, it's sort of like I trusted you, and you betrayed my trust. Watch, this is what you, this is what you're doing to me. Sort of the Taylor Swift song, right? <laughs> but in in you know, look what you did to me. So I can't remember what the song is, but it's that right. Yeah. The, look at what you made me do. I think that's right. Right, mm. look at what you made me do. Right, the fish was ours, not yours. You know, so. Yeah, English would have a lot to catch up in terms of trying to describe that pathos. Okay, um, let's see what else is down the what list. Uh, Dengki. Dengki. Uh, Dengki. Spiteful? Okay, spiteful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like envy over somebody else's success. Spiteful is more like you're ready to act or strike, mm-hmm. right? You're spiteful. What comes to mind? Dengki. Uh. No, but it is, there's an element of spitefulness, uh, I would say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Envy is fitting, although it's not very accurate, I guess. Envy comes very, very close. Mm. Yeah, but it's always typically envy of success. Mm. It's rarely, it's envy of a virtue that you have. Mm. And you can envy somebody lovingly. In a way, I envy your success. I want the happiest for you, you mm. know, and I want you to, to flourish. I envy how well you're doing in life, right? But you don't necessarily have that positive connotation in Dengki. Mm. Dengki tends to be like bitter. There's a sense of, there's a bitter flavor to it, mm. right? Do people act out on their dengkiness? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, sabotaging, in typically, uh, there's a sabotaging element that, that's not un- unheard of, that you don't delight somebody, you want to make sure they don't get further ahead, mm. you know? Um, what else What else comes to mind? Dengki. <sighs> sabotaging? No. Sometimes it's an act, spiteful uh, yeah. as well. Spiteful. Is spiteful necessarily an act? Necessarily? Oh, yeah. I mean, spiteful is a feeling, feeling yeah, as yeah, well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Resentment. Um, resentment. Spiteful comes very close, actually. But mm. you can be spiteful not necessarily at somebody else's advantage or success. It feels mm-hmm. like, you know, you could be spiteful for for different reasons. Yeah. Dengki tends to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, honey, you're better Malay than I am, but the connotation is that someone else is doing better than you. And that can't happen for you. So your sense of happiness is tied to someone else. Uh, someone else's fate and fortune or well-being right, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's the thing though because or I mean qualities yeah. mm, I'm trying to think whether I mean in order for it to qualify as dinky you must act out on it as opposed to just like I mean feeling if you let's say uh, I'm not happy with your yeah, happy do you just harbour it right yeah. or do you do something about it yeah. what do you think I think you must act out on it as right, suppose, right, yeah, in order right. for it to be considered dinky that's true yeah that's but if true. you gossip with your friends and you talk bad about you know your other friend that's kind of acting out on it too no as, well if you start spreading bad rumors I suppose right I don't know dinky right because the act of you venting out about it shows that you're not happy with it right I think mm. and, and that can mm. also be considered right yeah, right I, I see what you mean it doesn't have to be striking at the person it mm. could just be you venting it out yeah but, but, but I don't know whether it's suitable to call it dinky though because if you don't do anything technically are you can you be considered dinky well if you're recalling the stories or you're telling that story from that perspective in a in a negative way I think maybe it can be considered dinky. right yeah. right mm. well this is where I find it interesting uh, in that it comes out of a place of loneliness mm, in the sense where you, somebody else is doing better than you and you don't want to feel left out or you don't want to feel like you're trailing behind you don't want to feel in a sense that you're not doing well enough and typically a lot of success is tied to the need for affirmation or the need to be recognized right Mm-hmm. So when somebody else is doing better and you feel that you're hurt or you feel a heart done by someone else's success with nothing to do with you, that feels like you're either not going along with another person, you know, or so this is where uh, it's point, I'm going to get into psychoanalysis a little bit here, but this is sort of where love and hate are part of this, it's basically the same thing. Mm. Right, you're holding. It's a way of holding on to something. Mm. So if you love someone, the feeling may be good or something, but you hate someone, the feeling is bad. But there is still something that you're holding on to. Mm. So in Dunkey, you're holding on to a vision of success. You're holding on to a vision of timing. There's a certain time in which you have to make to make it or to get something, right? Mm. And it's really a way of holding on. So, and that comes out of a place of loneliness. It comes out of a place of insecurity, obviously, but the fact that you might not be as appreciated or valued, you know. Mm. Uh, maybe I'm reading too deep into this, so yeah. you can tell me. But the thing about Dengki for me is that sometimes you don't need to necessarily be closely related to one another. You can just suddenly feel Dengki to this one mm. random person that you I don't see that. Know. I see that, but I feel that what animates the bitterness, because Dengki has a connotation of bringing out our dark side or bringing out our sort of our base sentiments of hatred or resentment. What animates that is the fact that you can somewhat identify with that person to a significant enough extent. Whereas I get you that you can feel dunky at, say, I don't know, somebody from afar, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, and maybe you don't have to know them well as, mm-hmm. as long as you identify with them enough. Mm-hmm. And identification typically assumes that they're similar enough that you can want the same things mm-hmm. in a sense, you know. Because that resentment, where is that that breeding resentment? When where does it come from? If not for the fact of some affinity, you know. I mean, that's just the way I read it. You know, I don't think there's a textbook written about this, but I don't know. I feel that when it comes to Dunkey, the the most um, the examples that come to my immediately tend to be those. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think you. Know, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be friends, but you can still 
be. You just can yes, think it, it could was, be acquaintance. It could yeah. be somebody you know. It could be yeah. somebody you had a brush with. Mm. Yeah, yeah, as long as you identify the similar qualities that you the, want. Yeah, the, that you want that he doesn't have. Right? To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and this is where and I don't like it that people say that this is very unique to Malays. Mm. I, I get that a lot. I just feel mm. like no, you see it in a lot of other cases. But I would say that it's a word that. Because and I can't think of many English equivalents that are very very unique. Uh, we turn to it quite a bit, you know. We turn to it not just not to feel the key, but to use that. We identify a lot more. But you know, we we either try to look at it in others, you know, and try to identify that's what's happening, or maybe we feel it. But it's a more common option in how we describe relationships than mm. a lot of other places. It feels, mm. yeah. So I don't know what that says about us, but the fact that it's a rather regularly used word, you know, whether you feel it or not, but it's just in our vocabulary. Mm. It's interesting to me, but it also comes back to what we talked about, Marajo. There's a lot of like awareness of relationships, how far other people are from you, how close they are from you, mm. you know, how much or how soon they get something you want, as opposed to you not getting it at all, that sort of thing. But that presumes like that connections are valuable in a way, you know, and when they don't work, it feels like terrible, you know. So anyway. That's the first ins- installment of the trying game. I hope the attempts or failures that we've encountered in trying to make sense of these words uh, has been productive for you in thinking about the things that happen when you code switch. And Malaysians code switch a lot. We switch languages, especially when we swear. They're very multicultural when we swear, <laughs> right? Um, and I think that's the beauty of it, that we inhabit these different worlds uh, almost effortlessly. And we feel those different worlds more when we encounter these dead ends when we try to translate these things, you know. So the next time you feel like you're gadi, don't worry. That is a whole universe that you're opening up. <laughs> so you are listening to Night School. Email us at bfmnightschool.gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook. Type Night School in the search space. Download our app at Apple App Store or Google Play. Once again, I'm Ahmad Fawad Rahman alongside Hanif Baharuddin, the producer of Night School. And this was the first installment of the trying game. Do let us know what you think about it. And we'll try uh, another round of the trying game next month. Uh, thanks for listening to Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.